This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Uh, two of us on with you tonight. It's myself, Matthew Bunch, alongside Lee Efans. Lee, how you doing, buddy? I am ready for this post-mortem for both these teams. What an unhappy episode, but hey, it's got to be done. We're not really used to doing these kinds of no. uh, episodes here on Magic City Soccer these last few years. Um, yeah, so let's start with Inner Miami, and then we're going to circle back to the Miami FC. We have a lot of little uh, things to sprinkle in, as well as a bonus episode to make you aware of this week. We're really jam-packing stuff, so let's start with Inner Miami. Uh, really one hell of a game uh, on the weekend for Inner Miami against uh, DC United. Uh, first goal for in club history, two minutes in. Uh, it's Pizarro, it's the Joker. Uh, and really, it could have been two goals in two minutes because there was an, a chance right before that where it looked like Miami, uh, the uh, Inter-Miami CF was going to get on the board. It was a dominant showing, and then all of a sudden, everything changed. A second goal in for Inter-Miami is waved off. VAR jumps in because of a handball by Roman Torres uh, at the back. Uh, he gets the red card. The goal is disallowed. And within the span of seven minutes... DC United at a penalty, Emil Assad in the 59th minute, and the wonderfully named Frederic Brilliant, uh, scoring in the 63rd, put uh, 61st, put Inter Miami down to one, and that is the final score in this game. Uh, there, there were positives to take away, and Lord knows we don't want to hear about moral victories. Uh, but Lee, I tell you what, this does kind of remind me going a, a bit back now, the first season of the Miami FC. Uh, where you were really in these first two games, but things kind of go a little bit squirrely. You give up a penalty, you get, you know, you, and and it's really kind of a, an inflection point here for Inter Miami after a really tough loss. Yeah, it's a really tough loss, and it's a tough one to take. But that's football, you know. The, the, these things happen, and um, I think you are right, Matt. There's a lot of positives because they they could have folded. They could have folded like a garden chair, and it could, you know, it, it it could have been four or five goals. But you know, credit to the coach, you know, he, he he tinkered his system a little bit, and you know, he kept them in the game. Um, I mean, DC United got the two goals up, and then I think I think DC decided at that point then, right, this game is nuts. Let's just hang on to this one goal lead and get out of here, and uh, we'll live to fight another day. And I think that gave. Um, I think that gave the Rosa Negras a little bit of room to, to to move about in, and they were hammering forward for that uh, for that equalising goal that never came. But I mean, the VAR is there for a reason, and like love it or hate it, and I'm not a fan of it, but it's there to get those decisions right. And it's handball, and then it was handball, and he's got to go. So I mean, I don't think that there can be too many complaints about the result. But you're right, they're, they're so close. If they get a win now on Saturday. All this is going to be forgotten. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you look at the the stats, and the stats don't always tell the story. 
But yeah. Inter Miami had 15 shots, five on target. That's compared to eight and three for DC United. DC United had more of the possession, uh, 55 to 45. But remember, Inter Miami was down uh, to 10 men for uh, about 40 minutes of this game, pretty much. Um, it, it was a physical game, uh, 37 fouls uh, between both teams. Uh, it was a little bit chippy, more than a little bit chippy, I would say, and and really the the red card was kind of the culmination of just a a, a, a little bit of a a strange game for both teams to really get into, but it definitely seemed like Inter Miami was on track, um, and they they just really couldn't make it happen. And as you said, Lee, uh, a win on Saturday against LA Galaxy, an LA Galaxy team that is struggling to start the season. You know they don't have any uh, expansion team excuses to go over to. Huh. Um, and, and they had a worse result at the weekend as well, didn't they? I mean, they got beat 1-0 at home by the Whitecaps. Yes. And a, a player sent off for themselves and, you know, did not look convincing. So uh, it's kind of, it's, it's a nice team to have rolling into town for that home opener, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Uh, so perfect time. Uh, one of our guests this evening is Chris Whittingham. I had a chance to speak to Chris literally just a couple of minutes ago. Um, Chris was actually coming back from the stadium debut event in uh, in Fort Lauderdale, in Miami CF Stadium, opening tonight to fans, to season ticket holders, so they can kind of get a look around, see an open training uh, experience. Uh, and so I had a chance to speak to him uh, about what he saw last weekend from the broadcast booth. He was on the call with Tudayane, uh, Ramsey Sandoval, and Chris Whittingham doing the broadcast uh, from D.C., uh, and he'll also be on the audio broadcast this Saturday on the Inter Miami CF app. So go ahead and get that app. Uh, you know, Chris is everywhere here in the the, the soccer community down in South Florida. Uh, he's on Chelsea Mic'd Up with Mike Ryan Ruiz, who's uh, of famous of the uh, the Levitard Show fame. The producer for the Levitard Show also has his side project with Chelsea. Um, so I had a chance to speak with Chris, talk about the result, talk about what he's looking forward to out of Inter Miami both this weekend and as the season progresses. So. Uh, Let's hear from Chris, and we'll come back in a little bit and uh, look at the inter. I'm sorry, look at the Miami FC results. So here's me with Chris Whittingham. All right, happy to welcome in, uh, welcome back uh, to the podcast, Chris Whittingham. Um, Chris Whittingham of uh, Chelsea Mic'd Up uh, podcast with uh, uh, you know local soccer uh, podcast focusing on Chelsea, but featuring another local guy, uh, Michael Ryan Ruiz. Um, to Dana, he's everywhere. He is he is the one of the local authorities on soccer down here. We're happy to have him in. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing great. How's it going? Pretty good. Can't complain. Well, I guess we could complain after uh, the, the past weekend, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, you were on the call uh, for Two Dana uh, on the English language broadcast of Inter Miami's second game, uh, traveling to Washington D.C., uh, playing D.C. United, and boy was it it was interesting. There was a lot interesting about it, a lot good for Inter-Miami in, in the first half, I think, especially early on, obviously getting a goal uh, within the first two minutes, and really it could have been two in two minutes, it seemed like, uh, a very a kind of uh, forward-thinking uh, attack, pretty solid at the back, and then there were those 10 or so minutes in the second half. I, I want to talk about the, the team in, at the macro level uh, in a couple minutes, but I do want to focus in on that because that was such an interesting a series of play between the second goal to the red card to the penalty to being down 2-1. What what was it like being in the box and, and calling that? What was the experience like? Yeah, it was a bit crazy, and you just kind of take each incident one by one. But uh, the overriding feeling was that 
generally the system VAR and the referees all got it spot on. And what happened was Miami just losing their heads for a few minutes as this all happened. And it just felt like Miami took a haymaker and couldn't get off the mat. And they were just struggling to figure out the way to counterpunch and, and figure out how to get back into it because the, the sending off of Roman Torres did not necessarily lead to that penalty opportunity. That had to come on the next passage in play where Yola tries to get it clear and then catches Edison Flores on the way up. And these are mistakes that didn't necessarily have to happen because of the sending off. If you just sort of transition into the next phase of the game, you can get through it and, and you very often see sides down to 10 just bunker and solidify and figure out ways through it, but they just didn't. And then after all this happens, they're down by two goals to one, Miami actually then grow back into the game again and start creating chances and start causing problems for a D.C. side that for whatever reason decided to close up shop. So uh, as you're kind of going through it, you're like, well, wait a second, Miami don't have to keep making mistakes and faltering, but they eventually go down by 2-1 and, and, have, and have to get back into the game and almost give it a, a, a decent go in terms of getting that equalizer, but couldn't, uh, couldn't quite notch it. That, I think what you just mentioned is one of the most interesting things about the game is that you know you go down a man in the 54th minute and, and you've got to dig out of it. Uh, you, you would assume that you know shipping those two goals that the, the team would have folded up. Miami didn't have obviously a majority of possession you know being down for so long, but they weren't really out of it in terms of possession either. and they put together some some pretty nice play afterwards but it is kind of like those those 10 minutes where they just seem to lose their minds and and that was really the difference this was a game that i i think especially going in halftime you had to feel confident it was much more likely that inner miami was going to score two than dc united was but again like you said i think it's just uh, a, a momentary or 10 minute long kind of uh fit of panic or, or, or frustration or confusion or whatever you want to call it but uh looking at that game obviously 0-2 now, uh, two losses, two away matches, coming home this weekend. Now that you've seen the team on the pitch for 180 minutes, what are your big takeaways from, from Inter-Miami? Well, I think the biggest takeaway is that Diego Alonso is still trying to figure this out. And he goes for a tactical switch from Game 1 to Game 2 that did seem to give Miami a real platform to hit on the counterattack to attack more co cohesively and, and trying to figure out ways uh, to play combinations, to play together, and it seemed to work. Now, the question is what happens with Robbie Robinson out of the team because he was a big part of that. He was a big part of making that work. And so you wonder what happens when if, if he can't give it a go on Saturday. Um, but I think the, the one thing that I, I've taken away from it is just the solidity and the way that they defend is so much stronger than you see in your normal expansion side. You have to give them a, a massive amount of credit for figuring out how to set up a defense and, and keep it solid at the back with, I mean, it, to me, it's three center backs that have performed well. Yes, Torres got sent off, but in every moment before that, where he's had, you know, 50-50s, he's had to step up. I think he's been up for it. Nicolas Figal, for me, has been a great signing. Agreed. And I've been saying to a lot of people who have been confused that, I think he could be the best center back in Major League Soccer, never mind just uh, a top-level center back for Inter-Miami. Uh, Andres Reyes on his debut, solid. You know, how many times did he have to put out fires once they were down to 10 and uh, pushing forward and he was the last man? He was excellent in that role. I just think that it's among the harder things to find in MLS. A good holding midfielder, a back four that knows uh, how to handle everything that's going on in front of them. And Inter-Miami seemed to have found it. So that, for me, is the biggest positive takeaway that I've had from their first two matches. 
I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of people that saw this team being constructed by Paul McDonough pointed out that like, hey, there's some really solid play at the back. And a lot of the focus has been on the attacking play, right? That this is going to be the emphasis of the team that we need to attack, attack, attack. But we've seen Diego Alonso do a little bit of both, both offensive-minded, defensive-minded coaching. And you see that a lot of the really strong talent in this team might be at the back that you you don't necessarily want them grinding out one nils, but you'll take it if you can get it, especially, as you said, from an expansion side, trying to sort things out. Well, and, and I think before the sending off, they were on way to not just hanging on for a one nil victory. They Agreed. came out of halftime, and they were still going forward and trying to create chances and score goals, and Lewis Morgan had scored the second after Roman Torres had the red card incident. And then... After they go down to 10 men, they're still pressing the game. And I still think that their mentality is going to be to try and play out of the back, keep the ball on the ground, keep possession. But you need to kind of lay down the building blocks in order to do that. And uh, we heard today from Lewis Morgan, uh, and he was saying that they clearly picked out some things at D.C. United and how they wanted to attack them and hit them on the counterattack that they felt like would work. And they were right. I mean, the first 10 minutes, they had three pretty decent scoring opportunities that they could have turned into goals. So I don't think that means that the Inter-Miami is short on attacking talent. For it's sure. just It's going to take a while. That That is the thing that most requires cohesion, that most requires uh, combinations to be built up. And it's um, that's among the last thing to come with an expansion team. So I'm not giving up hope that they can be a good attacking side and score a ton of goals. But I think for the moment, they at the very least have the base with which to go forward. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the perfect way to put it, is that they seem to have that end of the game uh, a little bit more confident. Again, 10 minutes last weekend accepted. Um, but they, they do have the possibility of a lot of growth in the offensive end, and I think that the aforementioned Lewis Morgan is going to be a big part of that. I thought he had a really excellent game generally on on, uh, on the weekend. Um, so we, we turn ahead now. We look to the home opener, LA Galaxy. Inter Miami CF Stadium. They're finally going to be playing in South Florida uh, uh, against a side that has had a little bit of trouble this year getting started, um, a little bit of trouble getting settled in. Um, y- your eyes are going to be on that game. Uh, wh- what are you uh, looking for in terms of how Inter Miami stacks up against this LA Galaxy team that's really trying to find its footing, too? Yeah, I think th- the most important thing is to continue to frustrate the LA Galaxy because. They've played two games so far. I had the first one for Tudene and Univision, and they're just listless. They've been listless for two weeks now, and in general, they've really only seemed to have one attacking pattern, and that's hit across towards Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and they're still playing this way even though they don't have Zlatan Ibrahimovic anymore. They don't have a big <laughs> center forward that's going to go up and win on the back post, and that seems to be all they have. The passing in midfield is poor. The attacking combinations are poor. They're pretty weak at the back in terms of the defenders that they've had, neither Houston nor Vancouver, who have among the weakest talent uh, in the attack in MLS, were really able to take advantage of that, but maybe a role for Pixar or Lewis Morgan can. Um, and I, I just I don't really like the look of this Galaxy team at the moment, but the the thing that you sort of are still fear is they do have Chicharito Hernandez, who is the all-time leading goal scorer in the history of Mexico and played for Man United and Real Madrid. And even though he's a disappointment at that level, that still means he can be a pretty solid MLS center forward if they can figure out how to best use him. And Christian Pavon scored a world-class goal in the first game of the season, and he's a player who can summon a moment of magic in, in any game, and you wouldn't be surprised if he pulled it off in Miami. So they still have the front-end town when you add Alexander Katai and and, and, and I think Emiliano and Sua, their new left-back, is a pretty solid player. Like They have enough 
uh, to, to cause problems for Miami if they can figure it out. But Miami at home, LA Galaxy traveling across the country for what would essentially be an 11.30 in the morning kickoff their time. Miami are going to have to put the pressure on LA Galaxy and continue to make them look listless in the attack uh, so that they can go on and win this game. So I, I want to kind of go back for a second to last week, which will also kind of segue into what I want to wrap up with you uh, this this evening. We talked about the you know the analysis end of it and and, and looking at the results of the game, but you and Ramsey Sandoval on the two day and a broadcast uh, last weekend, great broadcast by the way. I'm not just saying Thank that you. to like butter you up since you're talking with me. <laughs> I I would say it anyway, but it actually was legitimately very fun. I, I hit my SAP button and, and enjoyed it there. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, but I, I did want to mention he brought this up, and I think this is an interesting point and something I, I brought up last week with Stefano Fusaro. You're in that box in a professional capacity, but you also are a South Florida boy. You have this connection to this community. What's it like to be there for the? Uh, these are you know pivotal moments in soccer history in South Florida, and, and you get a front row seat. What's that like for you, just from a personal standpoint? Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible the fact that. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there and watching Ramses yell goal for 20 seconds for <laughs> Inter Miami's first ever goal. It was like, it was a pinch myself moment. And the, the whole thing has just been extraordinary because, I mean, you and I have been, you know, among the people that have been there every step of the way from, you know, when they first uh, announced at the Art Museum in 2014. I mean, it feels so long ago. Yes. And yet the fact that I, I was just at the uh, season ticket to the season ticket holder event uh, tonight for unveiling of the stadium and I was having a walk around and. Yeah, I mean, it's a stadium that was built in less than nine months, but it's incredibly remarkable that they built the stadium in less than nine months. And being there on Saturday is just going to be such a pinch-myself moment because ultimately Miami soccer fans have been waiting so long to have an MLS club return to South Florida and play home games and compete and try and be you know, one of the top clubs. And while I think Miami have, Inter-Miami have you know, certainly a long way to go, and I think they've had some false starts and some difficulties in really getting that going, the fact that we're here is still uh, so momentous and so important uh, in the for, for the history of the sport in this area. And a lot of clubs and a lot of players have carried the flag for this area in the 20 years intervening. But uh, Saturday is going to be a nationally televised game, uh, you know, presuming that it goes off and there's no, uh, you know, coronavirus related issues. Um, I didn't want to bring I, that up just to avoid jinxing right, it, but right. I mean, you do have to admit it's, it's, it's a distinct possibility. I mean, we're you know we're recording this on Tuesday night and. You know, five days is, you know, a, a world of difference in the sure. world of pandemic disease. So we I mean, have no idea. But um, if, if as long as it, the event goes ahead and you're going to see a sold out stadium for this game, it, it's going to be remarkable just to be there and, and absorb it all. And then you get right back into, you know, the, the analysis we we're talking about and picking out left back performance and picking out, you know, central midfield pressure and, and the things that we like to talk about. But you'll allow yourself for a moment to be awed by it all. So I, I did want to wrap up, and, and again, like I mentioned, you, you, you'll hear Chris frequently throughout the year on Two Day NA, uh, does work for Univision, also is part of Chelsea Mic'd Up uh, with uh, Mike Ryan Ruiz, uh, which you'll want to check out. Podcast, not local to Miami, but again, two Miami boys doing big things in the soccer world. We always tip our hats to that, even though it's not Liverpool Red, but I won't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I got my Liverpool fix out with Stefano last weekend, since we can both kind of uh, in, enjoy. But I did no, want to. I'm sure you enjoy your little love fest. Yes, right now it's good times. Good times all around. Um, <laughs> assuming that they can actually get the game in to clinch the league again. Don't want to jinx it, but it's like uh, oh boy. It, jinx it, it, what? 
well, what are you jinxing? You're 20,000 points ahead. You're good. No, I'm You're jinxing winning. that the coronavirus is going to suspend. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That would just be. I mean, the whole season has been, I get, not to get off on this, Jag, but the whole season has been a meteor is going to hit and that's going to stop Liverpool <laughs> from winning. I did not take pandemic. Pandemic was 10,000 to one. If you put money down in in early February that that was going to do it, you, you, could, you might yeah, be man. cashing in. But I did want to mention your role uh, on the weekend, on Saturday, 3 p.m., the kickoff uh, against LA Galaxy, and you'll actually be doing the radio broadcast with uh, one of the again talk about like local soccer legends. Thomas Rongen is going to be working with you. T- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, Inter Miami will have uh, audio broadcast. Your, your instinct is to call them radio, right? Because that that's generally what the the audio description is. But it'll be airing on intermiamicf.com and on the Inter Miami app. So if you're driving around and uh, want to hear a uh, radio call of the game, you can download the Inter Miami app. And uh, our radio broadcast will be there. It'll be myself and Thomas Rongen. And uh, we'll take you through this Galaxy match on Saturday. And uh, hopefully we can capture the atmosphere and capture the fun of uh, what will be a, another historic day for this club. We've already had a few uh, in, in these last couple of weeks. But hopefully uh, it'll be a, a fun game. And we'll, we'll, chronicle, we'll chronicle it all for you on uh, InterMiamiCF.com and the InterMiami app. Can't wait. I, I already have the app downloaded, and if you don't, then what are you waiting for? You know, go 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 to the app store and grab it. Uh, and yeah, I, I plan on obviously I plan on being there Saturday, um, but I will also uh, have a an earbud reserved for the broadcast because that should be fantastic. Uh, Chris, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'll probably be bugging you again a couple more times before the season's done to come on and, and and bring in your your wisdom and your perspective. But as always, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate you having me. I, I do want to again thank Chris Whittingham for his time and his insight. Again, you can uh, find Chris in about a billion and a half different places as it relates to local soccer down here. But specifically, you're going to want to follow him on Twitter. He's very active there and very informative about the goings-on at Chris Whittingham. That's standard spelling on Chris, last name W-I-T-T-Y-N-G-H-A-M. Uh, you can also hear him on Univision and Tudene. Um, as well as the Inner Miami audio broadcast on the weekend. Get that app for a variety of reasons, but especially for that. I'll be, like I said to him, I'll be at the game with a, an earbud in listening to him and the always fabulous Tomas Rangan. Um, oh, that's a good idea, Matt. Like, I've never really thought about that, as long as there's not too much of a delay. Yeah, that's like you know, yeah. That's the old baseball tradition. You bring an old, oh, okay. a little, uh, okay. like the little transistor radio. Baseball mat is in the house. Yes, so uh, yeah, you tuck a tuck the little audio in. You got your scorecard in front of you. And enjoy the game. So, uh, but I am looking. <laughs> I've got to f- say, Matt, I, I like the idea they've done that for season tickets holders. The, the open training session. Um, I, I remember going to see like a, in one of, during one of the ICCs. There was a Paris Saint Germain open training session, and you do get a real interesting look. At what goes on like behind the scenes in a training session so if they've done that up there for uh, the season ticket holders that's a nice little treat that's uh every like in miami fan that made that trek would have got a nice little nice little surprise out of that that's pretty that's pretty cool i like that yeah i i think especially for since it is for season ticket holders so they can literally find their mm-hmm. seats and get their bearings yeah. for saturday um a really cool event again as we alluded to on the broadcast uh, there was a photo and autograph session that was canceled unfortunately due to coronavirus concerns and as chris alluded to 
there is still an element of uncertainty heading into the weekend because of all these things swirling around and we are not going to become an infectious disease podcast or anything but i think uh, anyone who's plugged into the goings on this weekend you know we've been talking about this football fiesta for weeks now and there is this kind of dark cloud that's over the horizon and you wonder you know if the it, it, talking about Miami FC in a second, you know, they uh, play at FIU Stadium. If FIU is impacted, if the youth fair is impacted, there are questions there potentially. Uh, you know, Broward County has had four cases of coronavirus confirmed thus far. Um, that stadium is smack dab in the middle of Broward. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is stay plugged in, not only to us, obviously, if there's changes in, in the, 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 the game situations, we'll have that obviously on our social media channels and on the website, but most importantly, follow your local boards of health and the state board of health and the CDC and all that stuff, uh, just to be, uh, aware of all the general information you need and wash your hands, wash your hands wash your hands. Um, so, uh, smooth transition. Uh, let's talk about the Miami FC Lee, uh, kicked off their USL season, uh, Saturday night against St. Louis FC. We previewed that game last week and anticipated favoring Miami FC, but that it was going to be a tough one. That it was a new level of play. It's a road game. It's starting the season. It's a new coach. There are new players to plug in. We, we, we tended to favor the analytics that Miami FC would have a damn good shot at it. And, it just didn't turn out that way. It's a 4-1 defeat at the hands of St. Louis FC. It is a, a baptism by fire into the USL Championship. Uh, Lee, you were out at Wynwood uh, Brewery uh, enjoying that game and, until it got a little bit out of hand. What did you take away from that debut? Well, it was a damn good job I was in the pub, so at least I was able to drown my sorrows straight away. <laughs> um, again, what can you say? You you hand a team a two-goal advantage in their first 20 minutes and you're already going to be up against it. I mean, the first goal was just, it was just, I, I mean, I was going to bed at night and when I closed my eyes, I could see Lloyd Sam rolling the ball slowly back to the keeper and him not getting there and the player nipping in and scoring it. And if 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 you follow soccer in this city, you've surely seen the second goal, which is an indirect free kick, like in the 60-yard box, which like never, ever happens. Well, not in, just outside. And they and, and they smash it in from there. And 20 minutes in, and you're 2-0 down. Um, again, if you look at the positives, like they got the penalty to make it 2-1. And if you take those first two goals away, that really shouldn't have happened. You're going in at half-time, 1-0 up, which is really what it should have been. And then, you know, it falls apart. You know, you've got to go looking for that equaliser. It doesn't come. And then they score a couple more goals. Is for one a reflection of how far behind St. Louis FC we are? I don't think so. I mean, it does put them at the top of the table and us at the bottom of the table, but I don't think that's going to be the case um, in a few months' time. Um, although they are a very good team. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from uh, St. Louis FC. They had a game plan, stuck to it brilliantly. And you know what, Matt? I think there's one thing that stands out here is that Miami FC have gone pretty much two years, and let's be honest here, without ever having really to defend. I mean, without really ever having to go into a game worrying about defending. Yes. Maybe a game or two here against like Miami United or anything like that. And with the greatest, greatest respect to the NPSL um, and the NISA teams, and you know, it's uh, it brought a long unbeaten run to the end. It was uncomfortable to watch, as, especially the first half. But... From this point, the only way is up. 
uh, yeah, you know, I think that's the perfect way to think about it. You know, we talked about uh, the the advanced metrics that were available uh, provided by 538 in terms of the uh, defensive and offensive ratings. And, and St. Louis was rated as a pretty strong offensive, a pretty strong defensive side with a little bit of an offensive weakness. I think for them, this is a statement of intent that getting four goals, again, kind of assisted by the Miami FC a little bit, but four goals is four goals. You know, that that's a hell of a scoreline for them. And keeping the Miami FC to only one goal, that's they should be very proud of that result. That is a really mm-hmm. good way to start their campaign and say that, yeah, this is going to be a balanced team this year in USL Championship. For the Miami FC, as you said, Lee, even though there are new players and a new coach and all that, even for the players who are familiar, even for the familiar faces that took the field, on Saturday night, uh, they need to get their sea legs back under them. I think that's the only way to put it. In in term, not not just oh, you know, we've been we've had an off season, we're kicking off the rust. No, it's that I've been playing a certain level of competition for three years, and that level of competition is now escalated tremendously. And that's going to be the kind of competition we're going to be seeing every weekend. And I, I, again, I, I referenced the first season of the Miami FC earlier in comparing into Miami. I think there are some lessons to take away uh, from that team for this Miami FC team as well, where it's not an expansion side, but I mean, the, compared to the last time they were play, playing professional level competition on a regular basis, it is basically a new side. It, these are all new players that are not accustomed to that level. Again, you, you are bringing in some players from USL Championship, some players with MSL, uh, MLS experience, but for the core that we've talked about that has won those trophies, this is something that they are going to have to acclimate to. Do I think they can do it? Absolutely I can. I, I don't doubt that. But is it going to be one or two or maybe three games to really get established and feel comfortable, and I'm not even talking about you know the level of competition helping or hurting there. I'm talking about just getting a, a, a 90 minutes in. Uh, it's it's going to take a little bit of time. It is going to take time, Matt, but it still doesn't alter the fact that unless I'm wrong, and I don't think I am, it is the second worst result in club history. The only result worse than that was we did get beat four 0 by the Cosmos in the inaugural. Um, uh, NASL season back in 2016. That sounds right off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, it's and you know, so thank God we got the one goal. I mean, it's 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 not a happy job for me, you know, as as a fan and everything to sit here. But some of the, some of the decisions you you have to have a look at. You know, if if they're going to play the ball back to the goalkeeper, is it the right idea to put a brand new goalkeeper straight in? In the first game of the season, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not hauling Brian Sylvester over the over the coals here because he made a difference. He made some excellent saves, but you can tell that maybe you know Mark Pace was the number one all of last season. Now, when you bring in a new goalkeeper and the players are expecting a certain figure to be behind them, and then I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible, and I'm not trying to lay any blame at Brian Sylvester's door, but Goalkeeper is a key position. And for me, that was a really surprising choice. We have three good goalkeepers who are very good goalkeepers, but really very, very different kinds of goalkeeper, I think it's fair to say. Pace is like a huge guy. He's a great shot stopper, commands his area, like nothing gets past him. 
And then um, Brian Gamero is more sort of like the modern keeper, very good with his feet. You know, if you're going to make a change, would he have been a better option? Um, Sylvester is a is a great goalkeeper, but when I saw that on the team sheet, it was it was a bit of a it was a bit of an eyebrow raiser for me. And I don't know whether that decision paid off. Um, and it pains me to say it. And I hope that Brian Sylvester starts the next game, keeps a clean sheet, and proves me wrong. But uh, he wasn't helped out by uh, by some of his defenders at all. Like it was, it was just so uncomfortable to watch Matt. Just to go back to that, it's it's been a long time since we've had that experience. But you know, there were positives when Sebastian Velasquez got on the ball. It really felt like there was a little bit of magic about to happen. Romario Williams up front, you know, did what he could. He tried to get things started himself as well. Um, so there were some bright spots. You're absolutely right. It's a lot of change. It's a change in league yet again. It's a change in um, p- personnel on the field. And it's been a change of the coaching staff and Paul Dalglish moving upstairs. And these things are going to take a few games to bed in. You know, it's, it's not Nelson Vargas's fault that we got beat 4-1. It's not Brian Sylvester's fault that we got beat 4-1. They play the game as a team. It's the team's fault that they lost that game 4-1. And the team will be working hard to put that right. And, um, you know, they've got until Friday to, to, to sort it out. And I'm pretty confident they will. Because if you need any motivation, it's a home opener against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. <laughs> You've just been beaten 4-1. You've come swelling into this league. Everyone's building you up. And you've been made to look, quite frankly, a little stupid. They're not going to need any more motivation than that. You know, yeah. <laughs> they probably don't listen to the podcast. But even if they just listen to that... That's not going to even motivate them anymore. They know what's expected of them on Friday, and uh, I think it's going to set up quite a good game. Yeah, I, there's a lot on the line very early on, uh, you know, for kind of the directions of, of things. You can you can have a a, a a tone set in just one or two games, and and this is really an opportunity for the Miami FC to either set a tone or have a tone set for it, one or the other. Um, so yeah, it should be a pretty, uh, tasty fixture. Uh, we were already looking forward to it, but now there's, there's a a lot on the line in terms of stakes as the Tampa Bay Rowdies venture down I-75 and cross Alligator Alley, uh, to Ricardo Silva Stadium. Uh, And they will have their tails up, Matt, because they got a great result because they went up to New York to play the, the baby bulls, didn't let a goal in and came out with a one nil win. So they are going to be fancying their chances as well. And it's, uh, it's a mouth-watering clash, you're right. Yes. So uh, as uh, always, we remind you that uh, that game kicks off Friday, 8 p.m. kick, leave, if I remember correctly. Yes, just to give everyone a little bit of a chance to get out of work. Yes. Get down, down the appropriate roads. Um, yeah, if they'd have kicked that game off at 7, uh, it's 7, 7.30. 7.30 kickoff, Matt. 7.30 kick? Okay, so get yeah. get there at 7 and be safe, uh, just just in case. I'm sure 7.30, I'm sure 7.30 means 7.30 is when the teams are walking out, Yeah, and then there's the anthem and everything, so I'm sure that even if you get out at work at like 6, 6.30, you're going to have time to get down there and make the most of the game. So. Yes, so yeah, that should be a good time. We will be out there uh, beforehand, uh, giving you the lay of the land on, uh, across social media and all those good things. Um, but I tell you what, Matt. Romario Williams. I'm already a bit of a fan. I, I, I watched him in the preseason friendly, and you know, 
I uh, I don't like to talk about my own playing career too much, but I was a big number nine, <laughs> and I have a soft spot for big number nines. And he did his best out um, in St. Louis, and of course he did get up um, his goal-scoring account up and running with a penalty. So um, I gave him a quick call, and I had a little chat with him. So why don't we play that now? Here with me is Romario Williams, striker from Miami FC. Romario, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Romario, you you moved to Florida at quite a young age, right? Because you you moved here to play for the uh, the Central Florida Knights, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, In 2012, I left Jamaica. At the time, I was 17, and I accepted a full scholarship uh, to the University of Central Florida. But even before then, I I had a lot of familiarity with the South Florida area because uh, my uncle my uncle lives here, so it was one of the the number one spots for my family and I, you know, for vacation. This is where we travel to a lot, so it wasn't it was an easy decision for me, you know, to come back home, to pretty much come back to South Florida, which felt like home, and 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 play here for Miami. So that was a factor then, Romario, when, when when the chance came up to join uh, Miami FC. The fact that it was in Florida that was a that was a big plus for you then. Absolutely, um, yeah. The the fact, the fact that it was in Florida, you know, it's close to Jamaica. It's close to um, you know, my family back home in Jamaica, and and, and obviously um, my wife as well. My wife also, she has family in the South Florida area, and you know, for me and her, both of her, both of her. Our families are back home in Jamaica, so you know it, our, our our decision was made was based mostly around just being close to to family and friends. And so once the opportunity presented presented itself, you know we just took um took it, and now we're trying to make the most of it. Yeah, when you've got a little a, t- a small Jamaican contingent in the dressing room, haven't you? Because you've got Brenton Griffith. He was uh, one of my favourite players. He's a character. And, of course, Brian James has got roots from uh, Jamaica as well. So does that make you feel a little bit more at home as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, always having, um, you know, people that you're familiar with, people that actually share the same culture where you're from, um, it, it definitely helps, you know. Um, you know, Brian and uh, Brenton are two guys that I've actually known for quite some time now outside of, you know, just being their teammates now. So that certainly helped with the transition as well. And there are also other guys on the team that I that I that I knew before signing that I that I knew before you know coming here and played with and played against. So you know it, a lot of a lot of factors played into my decision. But you know, ultimately I, I I just wanted to be here because it would have been a good opportunity for me and also just be around you know my family and, and close friends. So, um, moving away from Miami FC for a second, of course, you know, you have paid, uh, played for the Jamaican national team before. Is that something that you hope will happen again? Absolutely. I think um, for, you know, for football players, soccer players, whichever way we want to look at it, I think, you know, once you get the opportunity to, to represent your country, you know, you never take that moment or you take that opportunity for granted and it's it's always a pleasure you know it's always a proud proud moment you know whenever you get the opportunity to, to represent the country on the international level to play games or compete in uh in, in tournaments 
So that's certainly something that I have my eyes set on. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of work to be done, but um, hopefully one day I'll be able to, to get back into the national setup and, you know, able to don the colors of Jamaica again and just make you know, Jamaicans everywhere proud. Definitely, and we'd love to see you back in that jersey too. Mm. Talking about work to be done, of course, on Saturday we didn't get the result that any of us wanted. Um, how confident are you that yourself and the team can bounce back with a win against Tampa Bay on Friday night? Uh, I'm very confident. Um, you know, as you said, it's a very disappointing result, uh, but um, it's in the past now. Uh, we can take the positives and we move forward. Um, Obviously, it's not the way we want to start it, start you know, the season. But um, like I said, we take the positive, we move forward. It's a long season. No, no one said it was going to be easy. We know it's going to be a challenge, and we also know it's going to be a process because there's a lot of new faces, including myself. So you know, well, I know we have a we have a great group of guys, you know, a great group of talented guys that you know we we believe in each other. We know what each other is capable of. So you know. The vibe and the mood is still is still pretty high around the team. I mean, and we're all in a, in a good place mentally. So it's just on us now to to make the necessary adjustments and make do the necessary preparation as we look towards Friday. And hopefully, we can come out guns blazing and just give the fans a good show and hopefully come out with three points. Yeah, well, the fans would certainly love to see that for sure. But it, you know, one of the highlights was. All right, it was a penalty, but you did get your first goal. And, of course, for a striker, once you start scoring goals, you hope that carries on. Would it, even despite the loss, was it still a good feeling to get that goal? Or would, it be, would you have traded that in for the three points? Uh, definitely. definitely would have felt better getting three points. Um, at the end of the day, um, you know, individual stats go the far away, but at the same time, you want it to be you want it to be complimentary with winning um, mm-hmm. because you, you, there are a lot of great players who produce good numbers but um, they are not necessarily on winning teams so and for me it's, it's it's a team sport and it's all about winning you know team success brings forward our individual success and if the team's doing well that means you know individuals on the teams are doing well so I don't want to get caught up too much in the individual side of things. I just want, you know, the thing, um, the team to do well. And I know as long as the team's doing well, we're winning games and we're scoring goals, then I know individual success will come for me. But I think ultimately it starts with the team. And, you know, it's good, obviously, as a striker to get on the score sheet. But um, in a losing effort, and especially in a game like that, was in a, man- in a manner like that, you know, it's always a tough one. You know, it's good, but... <laughs> I'd much rather have three points and being on a winning end coming back home first game of the season. But you know, as I said, you know, it's in the past and now we're looking forward to to Friday and hopefully we can get three points and and if I'm on the score sheet again, which is the which is the goal, then that would certainly feel a lot better. But there we go. I think like you say, it's um it's disappointing to lose the first game, but it is in the past and if we end up in a championship game and we end up winning that game, then that will all be forgotten about pretty quickly. So just one more thing um, from Mario about the name. Was it was, was the name given to you by your father? Yeah, the name the name of Mario was given to me by my old man. Um, <laughs> Mario was uh, his favorite player. He's still probably his favorite player. 
um, today, but you know, he, he was the guy. You know, Romario was everything to my father in terms of a soccer player. You know, my father, and that's where I got the name from. And given the fact that you know, <clears throat> Brazil won the World Cup in 1994, the year in which I was born, my dad felt like it was only right to to give me the name Romario. So yes, that's where I got the name from. That's a great story. It's it's quite unusual because when I was a kid growing up, because I just have a normal name, so we would always have to pretend to be someone else, but then you could always go out and say, I'm already Romario. <laughs> they already had that <laughs> sorted. <laughs> uh, who was your favourite player growing up? Was, was he your favourite player or was there someone else you looked up to growing up? Um, to be to be to be honest with you, um I had quite a few growing up. Um Yeah. But to to name a few um, you know, I'm an Arsenal and Barcelona fan, so okay. because of because of um because of that, I mean the, the two names that that come right off the bat would be uh, Ronaldinho and Thierry Henry. Given that Henry was you know for me one of the best strikers to ever play the game, but also Ronaldo, the Brazilian striker, who to me was yeah. the best striker, the, the best striker that I've seen. You know, and and that's no 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 discredit to what Thierry Henry has done because he's he's great in his own way. But for me, both of them are two of the two of the best strikers that I've ever seen, in my opinion. And um and obviously Ronaldinho just as a as a ball player and just a a playmaker and the things that he was able to do on the field and how easily you know he made it look. I think those three. Are my favorite players of all time, but um, yeah, I'm right there with you on Thierry. My on Thierry Henry. Watch is Messi. Oh well, of course. I mean, of course. What the, what that guy does with the soccer ball is like on another level, isn't it? But yeah, yeah Thierry Henry. You know, I you know I grew up. Well, you know, I was an older man actually watching him, and yeah, he was some striker. And um, now let's hope that maybe at the end of this year, there's a few uh, there's a few kids in the parks around Miami calling themselves. Romario with a Miami FC jersey on and uh, and imitating yourself. I think that would be a good thing. I know we have the academy, so uh, you never know. Maybe maybe the name will live on. For sure, for sure. That that would be that would be that would be something to admire. <laughs> that would be a thing of beauty, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Romario, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on Magic City Soccer. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you on Friday night. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys out there. Great to have a chat with Romario. Um, he took his so goal. Uh, he took his goal so well, and um, we've never lost to the Tampa Bay Roundies. One win, three draws. Maybe he's the man to make sure that that carries on. Yeah, we, we hope so. You got you got the uh, the big fixture right in front of you. You got the uh, the you know the opponent you want to beat uh, in your house. You got to make the most of it. Now, speaking of Romario, uh, he did score that goal for the Miami FC. And if you follow us on Magic City Soccer, uh, we had two hat giveaways over the weekend. Uh, if you've not seen our Magic City Soccer hat, it's it's I say it's pretty nice. Got a nice pink it's a brim. Good hat. I can't pull hats off. But if I could <laughs> pull hats off, I would wear it in a heartbeat all the time to bed everything. Yes, it's got our alternative logo, which is the city of Miami seal 
uh, obviously adapted for our needs. But uh, yeah, check it out. If you visit our Twitter account at Magic City Soccer, you can see it. We'll be running a couple of those throughout the season. Uh, gave away two hats. Uh, we did give away one on Saturday to at Joseph Jeem one. Uh, thanks to Joseph, that hat will be uh, leaving uh, through the Postal Service in a couple of days. The reason why it'll be leaving, it hasn't already left, is we had three people in the Miami FC uh, giveaway all guessed the same goal scorer, and uh, that goal scorer was actually the guy that scored the goal. It was Romario. So, Lee, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to pick number one, two, or three. We have not really coordinated or talked about this, so I'm going to leave it up to chance. Pick one, two, or three. Oh, I'm going to pick number one because he scored one goal. So let's go with number one. So number one. Number one means I I do want to give acknowledge to all three of our uh, followers who uh, gave the correct answer. Uh, Adam M at Jovo558. Thank you, Adam. Uh, We also had uh, Ken Russo at Russo Soccer and uh, Joel Delgado, Joel M. Delgado. So the way I decided to do this was essentially alphabetical order. So, uh, Adam, you were one. I'm very original. Uh, Adam, you were one. Joel, you were two. Ken, you were three. So that means Adam, uh, up there uh, in the ATL, up in Hotlanta, uh, you have a Magic City soccer hat heading your way. Uh, Two, Joel and Ken, don't get too down. We will have uh, a few more opportunities throughout the year. And for everyone else, follow us on Magic City Soccer uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We'll be going across different platforms throughout the season. So make sure you're following us here, there, and everywhere to give yourself the best chance to win a hat, maybe a t-shirt, maybe some other swag. You'll just have to follow and find out. Um, Here's a deal for you, Matt. Here's a deal. I'm going to make this deal live on the air. Well, live to tape on the air right now. (laughs) If Romario Williams scores a hat-trick against Tampa Bay Rowdies on Friday, I will personally provide the other two people with the hats. Ooh, those are stakes. That's what I call stakes. That's my promise. That's me trying to force the universe to comply with me. (laughs) So football gods, I'm a man of my word, as people know. If Romario Williams scores a hat-trick, I'll make sure that two hats get in the direction of those two people. All right. So, again, gentlemen, you're going to want to watch that game anyway, but especially with uh, that kind of uh, stakes on the line. So... Uh, rooting if he for... scores four goals, it doesn't count. Yeah, That's everything's canceled. No, if he scores, let's see what how many of these scores. Three and only three. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that that'll be an interesting game. Again, you're gonna want to make it down to Ricardo Silva Stadium on the campus Ricky's house of Florida International University, uh, Casa de Ricky. Uh, be there or be square, uh, Lee. Again, diving into the lower leagues, you had an opportunity to check out some UPSL Gosh. action. Uh, why don't you fill us in on that? Oh my God, what a great game I went to um, this weekend, Saturday. In the sandwiched nestled, as you would say, neatly in between um, the, the MLS and the USL game. The inaugural game of Miami Beach Club de Football. Let me tell you, these guys are onto something here. Now they have that stadium at Flamingo Park on Miami Beach, which... If you've lived in Miami for any length of time, you know that part of South Beach. There's that nice little park in the middle there, and, you know, it's got some baseball grounds, but it has, like, the football and soccer field with the running track around it. Those guys put on a good show. They, you know, the full nine yards. They even had some cute little girl belting out the national anthem. Note perfect. Um, It was, for Miami, a chilly night. You know, it was a little chilly this weekend, but that sort of like added to the atmosphere. And it was, um, 
I want to say this with the greatest respect to the rest of the UPSL teams, but it didn't feel like a UPSL game. It felt like if, if, if you know, it felt like you know, even for me going back home when you went, you know, when your team was not playing and you would go and see a non-league team, and there was like two or three hundred people there, and it, there was a, there was an atmosphere. There was an atmosphere at the game. They pulled it off. I've got to give total credit to them. They pulled it off. But on the field, they were evenly matched by um, Address DRFC. It was a close game. I had to ship it over to Winwood before the end of the game. But it was still nil-nil when I when I left. And Miami Beach um, won that game 1-0 with a, a headed goal. You can see that floating around on our social media somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it was, you know, it was. they've set the bar, Matt. They've set the bar for the rest of these teams. You know, we know how good the teams are in this division, but... You know they've um, they've they put on a good show. I would I would go back and watch that anytime. Um, and they've got a couple of good players. They brought in Justin Hoyt, and you could tell that that quality at the back. He was playing in the centre of defence, commanding the defence, playing the ball around. And um, Paolo De Cegli up front, he, he was playing out of position, but they're using him as sort of a talisman, and it kind of worked. But yeah. Adria Adria we were a hard-working young team as well, and they matched them. It was just a really good game of football. Um, up uh, up in in Fort Lauderdale, the uh, Fort Lauderdale and the uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, the Florida Soccer Soldiers, <laughs> um, are now calling uh, that Cardinal Gibbons School home. The teams are required to have a fixed venue in the UPSL. So now, Florida Soccer Soldiers, I guess that's the value of having kind of. Um, you know, a name like, like that that doesn't limit you geographically. They're playing out at Fort Lauderdale and they beat Miami Sun 3-1, which is a classic UPSL rivalry. So um, that UPSL Florida South Division 1 is already shaping up to be, uh, you know, a good battle on and off the pitch because now these teams have got to match what Miami Beach do in off the pitch as well. Yeah, you know, uh, we had mentioned um, Miami Beach CF uh in last week's podcast, and and we've mentioned it before, and specifically that venue of Flamingo Park. I'm gonna put my uh, like sports historian hat on for a second, as I am sometimes want to do, and I'm also going to, and I'm sure he has no idea that I'm gonna be referencing this, and maybe has not thought about this in five years, but uh, our. Uh, co-host and, and partner in Magic City Soccer, Abel Yarola, uh, actually wrote an article uh, five years ago about baseball in in in, in Miami, uh, entitled Miami, a Bad History of Baseball in the Magic City. And in that article, he mentions the Miami Beach Flamingos as one of the first baseball teams to really be established in the city of Miami. And, shocker, they played at Flamingo Park. Flamingo Park was a baseball venue, and it sustained a minor league baseball team. And it has be, it is because of that reason that i have forever wanted a, 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 a soccer side to get in that stadium and really try to make it work because there is legitimate sports history at that site and i believe i have believed it could work uh, and that's why when miami united first went into that venue i was so excited about it and lee i i'm really optimistic about the future for miami beach cf i really think they can do it there um, you know, this is the first game, you know, the second game becomes harder. The third game becomes harder. Sustaining that energy can be hard. Um, you got to pile up results and you got to raise awareness and bring more and more people in. But man, I would absolutely love it if they could get things going there at that site. But Matt, you know, you know, what I, you know what I loved about it, right? And this is kind of a weird way that the, 
a lack a lack of parking there kind of worked out. It's because obviously, again, if you know how that park is set up, there's like a little gym and everything there, but there's not a lot of parking. And the on-street parking there is reserved, obviously, for the residents. Of course it is, because it's Miami Beach. You can't just let anyone park there. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to park down at Fifth and Alton. If you know, Fifth and Alton has that little mall. It's got a Best Buy, a Publix, a Total Wine. I'm not getting paid by any of these companies. <laughs> but, if, but if Total Wine want to hook me up, because I'm about to... So, you know, I, 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 I'm a European. I'm a man of the world. So I parked the car up, because you get two hours free parking there. So I went into Total Wine, picked myself up a nice craft beer, and I was walking up the road with my craft beer in my little brown bag. And you had that feeling of, you know, when you're walking up to a stadium, anyone who's been to a game in like Europe or somewhere like that, and you can just hear that buzz of the stadium in the, in the, in the distance. And you're walking up to it and you can see the floodlights and it's getting closer and closer. It sparked off this real like positive nostalgia thing in me. And I was like, guys, this is all right. This is just like walking through the streets of Miami Beach with a cheeky beer on the way to the game. You can hear pitbull blaring as always on the pit. <laughs> it added to the experience. But that's my pro tip. If you want to go there, two hours free parking. <laughs> Town of Fifth and Alton. I hope the people who run that parking garage are listening to the show. And um, and yeah, I think if you, if you if you get into the third hour, it's something stupid like three bucks compared to any of the lots around there. Sure. But but yeah, walking up walking up the streets of the game is one of those life simple pleasures. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm looking forward to getting out there and, and seeing a game very soon. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it is its own little thing. You know, when you, when you, we oftentimes talk about the lower leagues, there are only a certain number of venues that generally we kind of mm-hmm. cycle through and they're good spots for, for lower level local soccer. Don't get me wrong. Tropical park is literally a mile from my house. So I love that it's there, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really rooting for it to work out. I'm, I'm rooting it for, for it to work out for every team, but I don't know. Something about that specific spot, it would be really cool if they could get it up and running and and, and turning over consistently. Um, you know, all the, all the, all these spots they had did they had that little bits of charm. You know, it's like when you go to Wives Estates Park and the trains are all intact. Yes, that and is like, really cool. And like and like Tropical Park, as you say, you know, it's kind of been a fixture here for a long time. I even sort of like the whole CrossFit in the stand sort of thing. But yeah, there's. I'm, I'm glad that you, you get that whole um, Flamingo Park thing because there is, felt like a match day, proper felt like a match day, which is why I'm so annoyed I don't build that Overtown Stadium because it would be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Admittedly, again, I, I don't think a, I don't I don't think any option is dead in terms of of a pro soccer stadium in Miami. That option, Miami Freedom, some unknown wild card. You know, duh, stay tuned on all all that, those accounts. But um, but yeah, so uh, UPSL, check it out. Um, especially over there at uh, about Fifteenth and Michigan. Uh, actually, a little probably down about Twelfth and Michigan. Uh, you'll you'll be able to see. Uh, the the boys of Miami Beach CF take the field. Um, so and the I th- jerseys look as nice in person as they do on the internet as well. Good to know because they were some good looking tops. Um, did you get get yourself a cheeky beer right here at the end of the podcast? Is that what I heard? Please, what do you think? <laughs> um, I'll, yeah, I'll give another shout out. This I'm on um, I'm on the Jay Wave Jay Wake Jay Wakefield tonight. Yale Hefe. All right, which I recommend. Duly noted. The one, with, the one with the coconut added. Jay Wakefield, if you'd like to sponsor Magic City Soccer, <laughs> we're, we're happy to have you, but we are kind of giving the milk away for free here or giving the beer away as it is. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, anyway, 
UPSL, check it out. USL Championship, check it out. MLS, check it out. Fully up and running this weekend. Uh, home games abound. Lee, anything else to cover before we uh, sign off for the night? I am feverishly trying to see if I've missed anything, and I think we have. The only thing that we didn't touch on is the Miami FC shirt sponsor. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That was a notable story. Uh, we'll be obviously referencing that as um, as we get closer to uh, kickoff on Friday, and you saw a little bit of that coverage uh, on social media. I believe it was yesterday. The days are kind of running together. Uh, but huh. yeah, a shirt sponsor, first time in club history, uh, Hellbiz, uh, which sounds like a very intimidating company, but actually deals with uh, mobility and, and scooters getting around town. Um, a the first shirt sponsor in the Miami FC's history. As long as we get some mobility up the league table, that's all, and it helps <laughs> with that. That's all I care about. Yes. Um, but yeah, if it's a shirt sponsor, we've never had one before, and uh, you know, times are changing, and you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those scooter companies. It looks pretty fly on the jersey. It's nice and simple. You know, being a Swansea City fan, you know when they started bringing in like the bookmakers and like the bookmaker sponsors is just so bad. Like, yeah, it's just like, oh, just, just, it, they just throw it at the Jersey. You know what I mean? So at least it's like a nice clean sponsor. I'm happy that it's a nice clean sponsor. I get a scooter every now and again. Yeah. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. It's fun and kind of uh, off the board in terms of what you would normally expect. So we, we were feverishly playing the game in the uh, group chat uh, yesterday trying to figure out what it was and deduce based on the hints that were <laughs> present you know i was looking up the nasdaq's bell calendar to see who was ringing the four o'clock bell and the, that tipped it off it did not um and then obviously <laughs> at four o'clock the news came out but yeah so it'll be interesting uh you'll want to check out i'm sure soccer locker or just go to the game i'm sure they'll have it for sale there as well um and we are, are really throwing out a lot of free uh promos tonight for different local businesses <laughs> i mean we love the magic city we want local businesses to do well and jesus i, I put enough money into soccer locker as it is you know they, they don't need any more help but but uh, <laughs> always good to check out their website and their retail location so well, well t- talking about promotions matt there was also that uh that cheeky little publicity stunt that happened uh a few days ago where miami fc put up uh, a slide dig on a billboard next to one of the uh in miami um, billboards on the on the Dolphin Expressway. I I think that sort of stuff is good, Matt. It's just a bit of harmless fun, isn't it? I mean, it's there was a, in some quarters there was an overreaction. There's two teams. People need to know about both teams, right? Like, I don't really see the harm in it. It's a you know, it's a bit of fun. Here's what I will say about that. Uh, Omar Mubayed, also part of the podcast. I think we've covered everyone uh, tonight who's not on the broadcast with us, except Drew. Drew Hausman, how you doing, pal? Um, Anyway, giving weird, weird tone, whatever. Random shout outs and random promos. But we, we got into a bit of a conversation with our friend Ian Hest, uh, who, I mean, I've known Ian for, for far too many years, going back to UM. We've known each other, other uh, forever, uh, who's also very much uh, connected soccer wise, a big soccer fan based out of Boca. And uh, yeah, wasn't a big fan of it, felt a little bit alienated. And here's my whole thing with all of this. And, and I, I was kind of wait, waiting in and out of it uh, because I was supposed to be working. Yeah, but me too. <laughs> I, get, I get distracted by Twitter. I think if you're someone like Ian, who has been to Miami FC games and, 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 and has also been to uh, Boca Raton games and, and has been to those games, I could see being put off by that because you want to take in the whole thing. My whole argument was... 
it we talk on this podcast and on our website and among ourselves and with people we know about supporting the local soccer scene and that's top to bottom and you know your your perspective on it lee is one man one club I'm the sellout that wants everyone to do well, and I, I rising tide lifts all boats. But generally, we all have the same perspective that we want local soccer to do well. That's our job as fans and as kind of commentators. That's not the Miami FC's job. Their job mm. is to be the biggest club in their part of the world. And so they have made a, a strategic calculation here, which is don't rock the boat but do the kind of playful jumping on the boat that makes you feel like it's going to rock and make, maybe makes you feel worried. You know, don't the, the jumping on the elevator that maybe makes everyone a little bit worried, but really is harmless fun. That's what this is. I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is good natured ribbing. This is bants, you know, to borrow from the, 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 the soccer world terminology. This is just banter. It's good fun. Um, and the Miami FC's job is to create associations of good feeling in in people's minds and i think while there are people who could see that and be like oh come on i want to be able to support both teams i think that they're going after an audience that will enjoy that ribbing and and may go to the intergame on saturday you know what i mean i don't think Mm -hmm. that i enjoyed the billboard and i'll be going to both games this weekend and i'll be i will be supporting both teams i don't think it necessarily has to be the the knife fight and i don't think that's what that billboard represents i think it's just to me, good, clean fun that could risk alienating some people, but ultimately the club is trying to generate more buzz, excitement, energy, support than it's trying to chase away. And to, to me, that that's what I took away from it. Yeah, yeah. here's the thing, Matt, it, and it comes down to this weird narcissism of small differences because we all want soccer to, to succeed in this part of the world. Of course we do. And I'm not trying to say this to be like, I am the big I am, but I don't really know if any one person goes to more different soccer games in this part of the world than I do. Yes. Right, but it's perfectly fine to go along to a game, pay your money if you have to, sit there and enjoy the game. You can do that. That's fine. But you can only really support one team. Like, I will die, I will happily die on this hill, and I have (laughs) already several times. And that's okay as well. If you want to buy a season ticket for both these teams and go and check it out, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The most important thing is you go and enjoy it in your way and everything. But my, I, I, you said that Miami FC want to be the biggest club in the area. I don't know if they necessarily want to be in the biggest club in the area, but they want to survive in this market. And you know, it's you know you, you got to play to your strengths. They're, we we've already said they played at Ricardo Steel Stadium in FIU. If that's right on your doorstep, and you just want to go and check out a game of soccer for the hell of it, then then, then why not? You don't have to make a long trek to another place for a more expensive thing, and it's great. I'm not knocking into Miami. I'm not knocking what they're doing. If people want to support that, then fine. I'm not going to do that for my own reasons. But we have two professional teams, and at some point. Some people are going to have to stick their pole in one and some people are going to have to stick their pole in the other. That's just how the game works. and No one is going to convince me otherwise. Some people can choose to say they support both. That is fine. But both clubs will only continue to exist if they do have loyal, passionate fan bases of their own. And there's room for everyone. And it was just good fun. Yeah, I, that's that's where I generally fall to, and I I do think again that 
you can choose to let that roll off your back. You can also choose to, I think, be like, oh, that's kind of exclusive and, and kind of, uh, you know, uh, counting me out of it when I don't want to be counted out. But the club makes a calculation. I mean, I spoke to Paul Dalglish, uh, what, about two weeks ago at the watch party at um, uh, Brew's Room, and he said he was going to be there on Saturday watching Inter-Miami. You know, he's going to be watching his club Friday night and going up to uh, Inter-Miami CF Stadium on Saturday. Check that out, too, with, with, his, with his kids. So... You know, I think ultimately the idea is good, clean fun. A little bit of fun, a little bit of ribbing, you know, uh, inner Miami CF. I think everyone knows it's a 600-pound gorilla in the room. Um, and in, in, the Miami FC is is existing in, in the way, keeping afloat, building slowly, trying to build those community connections, particularly with a focus on Dade. Uh, and again, we'll get a chance to see if it succeeds or fails. But yeah, I, I, I can understand being put off by it, but I think ultimately what they believe they're doing is attracting more attention and focus than they are turning anyone off. Um, right, and 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 to be a, to be a little bit of a devil's advocate, and this is not necessarily what I think, but you know the the way the MLS works is that they prefer to be the only deal in town, and you know sometimes you have to fight a little dirty. We could have had we could have had um, FXC football up at um, the Lockhart Stadium doing their own thing. But they were kicked out of it by Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami had a little crack at trying to get FC Miami City out of the cricket stadium. That one didn't come off. So, you know, you talk about playing fair and playing dirty. I think in the grand scheme of things, a jokey billboard is not really that bad. Agreed. Yeah, I I would say generally no harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we can go on and, and enjoy our, our kickoff this weekend and, and see what a weekend is going to be. Yeah. And at the end of that weekend, if you haven't had enough football by Sunday, Haiti Cup, Haiti Cup is in full swing. So you're absolutely right. If you want some more on the Sunday night, you can do Friday FIU for uh, Ricardo Silver Stadium for Miami FC, Tampa Bay Rowdies. You can do Saturday for LA Galaxy and, um, and into Miami. At Lockhart, and then you can round it off with a Haiti Cup in full swing, um, FIU North on uh, on Sunday. Now, don't get better than that, does it? Yeah. So you're you're gonna want to uh, be ready. Uh, you're gonna want to hydrate, get your sleep. You know, rest up, um, take your vitamins, eat your Wheaties, and because there's gonna be a lot of energy required from you this weekend if you want to maximize uh, the soccer fun. Uh, we will mention, uh, I alluded to it earlier, but uh, Lee, uh, and we are anticipating a, a bonus episode this week in advance of kickoff Friday, yes? Yes, yes we are. Um, since we're playing the Rowdies, um, Drew will be leading a little conversation with uh, our compatriots over um, at the Unused Substitutes podcast. So that will be uh, that will be coming out um, probably, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it'll probably be coming out on Thursday. So uh, be ready for that. Again, there are so many games, we literally have to uh, go overtime into a second bonus episode, but it is to your benefit, listener, so enjoy. Uh, we will remind you, as always, we would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast carrier of your choice. We usually talk about uh, Apple uh, Podcast app. You can find our subscription link in uh, our Twitter and, I believe, Instagram uh, feeds. There, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Any any kind words you have, or if you have bad words, just hit five stars and then type whatever you want. Um, and we're on Spotify now as well. Yes, my we are. favorite of the street of the streaming platforms. I showed that to my mum. She's like, "Wow, 
leave your family, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so you can you can check us out here, there, and everywhere. It's my band, mum. It's my band. I promise you. <laughs> yes. Um. So check us out there on social media. It's at Magic City Soccer on Twitter, Magic City Soccer on Facebook, Magic City Sock on Instagram. You can check out the website, Magic City dot Soccer. Um, and yeah, you can also subscribe to us on YouTube. We have the occasional video content that goes up there. You can find us, just search Magic City Soccer. Lee, where can folks find you? Oh, at, at any football game, anywhere. Hey, just, true. Just, 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 just look for the green game. No, just joking. Um, yeah, you can find me, uh, Lee underscore Evans on Twitter. Um, but check out Magic City Sock on Instagram. That's where I do most of my work. Yes, Lee is the uh, Instagram maven of... Uh, my wife Soccer. taught me everything I know. <laughs> and she is a maven herself, too. Um, but yeah, I, I still am the old man of social media, and I mainly stick to Twitter. So if you see a Twitter update, that's that's usually for me, although everyone gets in on there. But yeah, Lee by far uh, owns on Instagram, and, and the content shows it. So, so do check that out. Um, I'll slip you that five books later. <laughs> check is in the mail. Check is in the mail. So yeah, be sure. Um, I'm at Matthew S. Bunch on Twitter. Be sure if you are out at um, Ricardo Silva Stadium on Friday or at Inter Miami CF Stadium on Saturday, um, wash your hands and then come up and say hi to us. Uh, practice good uh, hygiene, but but do seek us out. Uh, I, I know both of us will be there on Friday. I know I will be there on Saturday, again, assuming that there are no uh, unf- in, unforeseen interruptions to either. Um, and I anticipate Abel Iarola will be out there as well. Um, and Drew will probably be there on Friday. I'm, I'm speculating, but I, I know we'll, we'll we'll definitely be there for yes, Friday. Yes, Matt, sure. just, one of us will be at everything. Just yes, so seek us out. It. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm blabbing. It's time to wrap this up. I'm going on too long. He's Lee fans. I'm Matthew Bunch. Thank you very much for listening as always. And until next time, go Miami FC, Inter Miami, Miami Beach CF, and Miami Soccer. And that's the podcast.